Hello, this week's UN Catch-Up takes us from settlement talks over the divided eastern Mediterranean island of Cyprus to the deadly stretch of water that separates North Africa from Europe, scene of a particularly disturbing migrant shipwreck in recent days. We'll also hear an alert from UN Children's Fund UNICEF in the Central African Republic over ongoing violence that's leaving youngsters vulnerable to exploitation and a warning from the UN Agency for Sexual and Reproductive Health over the devastating consequences for women, girls and their families from the UK's proposed $180 million funding cut. Stay with us too for some thought-provoking comments from the show's regular guest, Solange Bejotegui-Cortez. But first, the news with Katie Dartford. Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has pledged to fight for every Cypriot in future talks on the divided Mediterranean island as a new effort to break the impasse ended without finding common ground. Speaking at the UN in Geneva, Mr Guterres said that there was agreement that he would convene another meeting of the Turkish Cypriot and Greek Cypriot communities and guarantor powers Turkey, Greece and the UK in the near future. My agenda is strictly to fight for the security and well-being of the Cypriots, of the Greek Cypriots and the Turkish Cypriots that deserve to live in peace and prosperity together. Four years ago, Mr Guterres attempted to bring the two sides to a deal at the Swiss ski resort of Gran Montana, where detailed talks ultimately broke down. Six main issues were on the table, including security and guarantees, new territorial boundaries and power sharing. This time round, the UN chief explained that the Turkish Cypriot delegation's position was that efforts to negotiate a bi-zonal, bi-communal federation had been exhausted, in contrast to the Greek Cypriot position. The development represents the latest UN-led effort to resolve decades of tensions in Cyprus and between the Turkish Cypriot North and the Greek Cypriot South, whose communities have been split since 1974. Ongoing violence in the Central African Republic has pushed child displacement to levels not seen since 2014, the UN has warned. In an alert, the UN Children's Fund UNICEF said that 370,000 youngsters were now internally displaced across the country. At least 168,000 children had been forced to flee their homes before and after national elections on the 27th of December. Around 70,000 of them have been unable to return. This is the highest level of child displacement in the country since 2014, UNICEF said, and humanitarians are deeply concerned that children are at risk of sexual and physical abuse, malnutrition and recruitment by armed groups. Here's UNICEF representative in the Central African Republic, Fran Equiza. Protection is one of the main concerns that we are experiencing in the country. Just the last three months of 2020, the UN verified more grave violations against children than in the first half of the same year. A planned $180 million cut to the UN's Agency for Sexual and Reproductive Health, the UNFPA, will have devastating consequences for women, girls and their families across the world, it said on Thursday. When funding stops, women and girls suffer, UNFPA Executive Director Dr Natalia Kenham said in a statement, highlighting the potential impact on the poor, those living in remote, underserved communities and others affected by humanitarian crises. According to the UN agency, the funding would have helped to prevent around 250,000 maternal and child deaths, 14.6 million unintended pregnancies and 4.3 million unsafe abortions. 
reiterating the rights of women and girls to access to modern contraceptives, Dr Canham called on the agency's partners and allies to secure UNFPA programmes. Katie Dartford, UN News. The news there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now for this week's interview, which comes after an alert that 130 migrants died in the Mediterranean Sea when their inflatable dinghy sank off the Libyan coast. For two whole days, distress calls went out to nearby maritime countries to no avail. In the end, it was the volunteer rescue vessel Ocean Viking that located the shipwreck and the victims in the water. According to the UN International Organization for Migration, IOM, already this year, more than 500 people have died trying to reach Europe. That's three times more than last year. Here's IOM's Safa Maseli now with more detail on this tragedy and the other boats that were also at sea at the time of the accident. Well, it is an utter tragedy that 130 people died again after pleading and sending distress calls for two days in international waters in the central Mediterranean. MRCs, uh, Maritime Rescue Centres, have been informed of the existence of this boat for at least two days. The NGO vessel Ocean Viking found remains of the boat and dozens of bodies floating nearby, thus signaling that at least 130 people perished last week. This is an utter tragedy that people continue to die on Europe's doorstep. There were three boats out there last week, weren't there? This was an alert from the International Organisation for Migration. What can you tell us about the other two boats? So there were three boats last week in the central Mediterranean. One of these boats were in, was intercepted and returned to Libya by the Libyan Coast Guard. On board the boat was a mother and her child who were found dead and a hundred other people who were taken to arbitrary detention. The NGO alarm phone alerted to the existence of two more boats, one carrying roughly 130 people and the third one carrying 40 people. It's very sad that the one carrying 130 people was found shipwrecked. And the third boat we hear yesterday from the NGO's confirmation that the boat arrived in Tunisia autonomously. We are happy and thankful that people are alive, but we continue to reiterate that the situation in the central Mediterranean cannot continue as such. States need to redeploy proactive search and rescue capacity, otherwise people will continue to die. It really is urgent, isn't it? You've got 130 people who died, drowned, and you said it was a shipwreck, but it wasn't really a ship, was it? It was an inflatable dinghy. It was a rubber dinghy, which is obviously what smugglers and traffickers from Libya use. These vessels are known to the international community. They're unseaworthy vessels. And obviously the central Mediterranean remains the most dangerous sea crossing in the world, which continues to claim the highest number of people every year. The sense of urgency is not only today, the sense of urgency urgency was, again, the minute proactive search and rescue efforts by the European Union have stopped. So there's always been a sense of urgency. We continue to see tragedies and we cannot simply allow this to happen. 
what's, I mean, we're now the end of April. Where are we with the death toll on the central Mediterranean compared with last year? With this latest tragedy, there are at least 500 lives now lost in the central Mediterranean compared to 150 during the same period of last year. This is more than three times higher. These are people who continue to flee poverty, extreme poverty, violence, abuse, torture, people who risk their lives. And for people to risk their lives this way, it must signal that the conditions at home are more dangerous than the perils of the journey. So what will happen to those returned to Libya? Where in Libya? To Tripoli or other areas of the country? For the most part, people intercepted by the Libyan Coast Guard are returned to detention in the cities of Tripoli, Zawiya or Zwara. But the highest number of open detention centres right now is in Tripoli. People end up in arbitrary detention for months, many for years. Conditions are extremely dire. Just recently, a few weeks ago, MSF has reported the killing of a migrant in one of the detention centres in Tripoli. Access for humanitarian actors is becoming increasingly difficult and the conditions have been documented for years. People are staying in overcrowded concrete hangars with very little access to meals, food, sanitation or the most basic of human rights. They are at risk of kidnapping, disappearances, they are used for ransom, their families are extorted. It is an absolute tragedy for this to continue and again we've been calling on Libyan authorities, we've been calling on the international community and the European Union for a change in approach to the situation in Libya and the central Mediterranean. It has never been more urgent for political will to come together to effect change. Do you get a chance to talk to the the migrants and the vulnerable people who are going to risk their lives to cross the Mediterranean? Many of them will already have tried and have been returned by the Coast Guard. So what do they say to the UN Migration Agency? Do they say they have no other choice? They don't want to go home? They can't go home? We hear many stories from migrants in detention centres and the cases are obviously different. There's no one trend or one specific story, but many people tell us that they tried to Across the sea once or twice and that they would try again. Others have faced a very difficult journey and want to return home to their families, but it depends on the migrants and it depends on conditions at home. Migrants who return to their communities of origin after having failed also face stigma in their communities and are labelled failures. So a lot of the time we find people who are willing to try again and risk their lives again for lack of option and also for lack of legal means to get to Europe or to get to safety, there's a dire lack in legal pathways to migration, which is why many people who are fleeing extreme poverty or conflict or violence resort to the services of smugglers and sometimes traffickers. Thanks to Safa Mercelli there from the UN Migration Agency, IOM, for that update on the plight of people in danger in the central Mediterranean Sea. Let me turn to you, Solange, for your thoughts on this recurring and preventable tragedy. Thank you, Daniel. Again, the sea becomes a mass grave and the land a prison where arbitrary detentions, ill-treatment, exploitation and violence is the daily bread. In a recent episode of UN Kachap, 
we spoke about a poem from the Uruguayan writer Eduardo Galeano. It was called The Nobodies. Nobody's children, owners of nothing, the no ones. I asked, how bad would things have to be before people get into those boats? There is another poem written by Eduardo Galeano, The Sea, El Mar. It's the story of Diego, a child who travels with his father to see for the first time the sea. The beauty is so intense that the boy is speechless. And when he finally managed to speak, trembling, stammering, he asks his father, help me to look. Perhaps like the boy, we need help to look at the horror, to act. And here we have also talked about the ever given container ship blocked in the Suez Canal the 400 meter long cargo ship. At that time, you, Daniel, asked a provocative question. Can't we live without the things that were on that ship? The tragedy that we just heard about happened in the central Mediterranean Sea of the coast of Libya, in a small boat, a dinghy, no more than a handful of meters long. It carried human merchandise. 130 people died. And here is the most painful question. Can we live without those 130 people? These migrants and refugees pleaded and sent distress calls for two days before drowning in the blue graveyard of the Mediterranean. Humanity has drowned, we heard Safam Seli say again. This will happen again. The thing is, how will states respond? Are they going to put the same effort into saving merchandise as they do to save lives? Thanks, Solange. Can you compare those two things? Interesting. What I can say is that there are solutions to this awful migrant journey that has ended in so many deaths already this year. It's something we've reported on down the years, certainly in all the years I've been at the UN. This solution, though, is called the Global Compact for Safe Orderly Migration, which was formally approved by the UN General Assembly in 2018. And two years before that, in 2016, the same UN Assembly also agreed to the New York Declaration on Refugees and Migrants, showing that there was international understanding that something had to be done to address the high numbers of deaths among people on the move all around the world, not just in the Mediterranean, of course, and to offer migrants legal pathways to access work and basic services in a new country. Is it a perfect system? Of course not, as we've seen from this week's tragedy in the Mediterranean, but the UN and its agencies are pushing to make people's journeys safer everywhere. We're out of time, so thank you for listening. Please share with your friends if you think they'd like to hear about what the United Nations is up to via UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva. Thank you to you, Solange, for your thoughts. As ever this week, always interesting. And to production assistant Justine Bryce, who'll be putting this online in a moment. Until next week, stay safe and stay well. Bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.